to be with Christ and what Christ has done for us. But what does that mean for us this morning? Because I'll tell you this, it'd be a shame for you to come to Central Baptist Church this morning and be inspired but leave unchanged. What a shame it would be for God to stir your heart uh, if you're lost to be saved or for the saved to stir your heart about the living hope that we have in Christ. What a shame it would be come this, to come here this morning and be encouraged but not be affected by the messages that we've heard in song. You think about it, it's great that Christ lived a sinless life. It's great that Christ overcame sin, death, hell, and the grave. It's great, great that Christ was accepted of the Father. It's great this morning that he rose from the grave, but what does that mean for you and I? Because I assure you of one thing, I could not overcome sin. I could not rise from the grave. We look at Christ and what he did, and we think to ourselves, we've probably all used this line before, must be nice. Must be nice. Isn't that what we say when someone else does something we can't do or has something we, can't, we don't have? You know, you hear somebody bragging about their kids. Man, woke up this morning and my kids had breakfast in bed for me. And man, my kids are so good. And you say, must be nice. I'm just thankful when mine don't burn the house down. Must be nice. You hear about your, somebody's spouse doing something for them and you think, man, must be nice. My spouse doesn't even remember my anniversary. And we look at what Christ did and we're thinking, well, it must be nice to overcome sin. It must be nice to be accepted of the Father. It must be nice to be able to rise from the grave. But what good is that for me this morning? Well, I'm here to offer you some hope today. Christ didn't go through all that he went through just for himself. That's what we do as humans. We do a lot and it's for us and for the praise of men. I assure you this morning, Christ didn't do all that he did to become a hero. Christ did all that he did and went through all that he went through that he could provide hope for you and I this morning. It wasn't for himself. First Corinthians six fourteen, the Bible says, and God hath both raised up the Lord, but it doesn't stop there, and will also raise us up by his own power. Aren't you glad because of what we're celebrating here today? It wasn't just for Jesus. Well, must be nice. Must be nice that you got to rise, and must be nice that you get to be with the Father. No, he did that so that we could be raised as well. And I hope this morning you come to know that for a personal assurance for yourself today. The empty tomb was not, not about a man rising from the grave. It was about all men rising from the grave. I'm thankful he did, but he did so that I could. And I, I hate to tell you, not everybody knows that today. You think about this this morning as we turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I will be brief because I believe the message has been preached. I'm just going to finish it up. 1 Peter chapter 1, we think about what a difference that day made. What a difference a day makes. Now I want you to think of this morning. Imagine this scene on Saturday. Jesus has been crucified. The disciples who had lived with him, served with him, walked with him, seen the miracles done, now they've been separated from him. And now their hope and the one who they had put all of their hope on has been laid in a grave and in the tomb. And now they are afraid. There's fear about the present, doubt about the future, and grief about what may happen next. But I'm so glad to say it didn't end on Saturday. If the story was over on Saturday, we have no reason to be here today. But as the old preachers used to say, aren't you glad Sunday was coming? The sun was about to rise on an entirely new day. 
Now look, I'm not talking about the S-U-N. I'm talking about the S-O-N, all right? The sun was about to rise and give way to an entire new day, not just for Jesus, but for all of mankind, past, present, and future. Now here's what you need to understand this morning. There's too many of us here today, both lost and saved. You're still living in Saturday. You're still living in Saturday. You say, what do you mean by that? If you're lost here this morning, you have doubts about today. You have fears about tomorrow. How could you have any hope if you're not sure that if you died, you're going to heaven? You're still living in Saturday. Can I tell you this morning, Sunday came. There was a new day for Jesus. And because there was a new day for Jesus, there could be a new day for you. Because he rose Christ from the grave, he wants to raise us up as well. This morning, I want to show you something in one verse, really, 1 Peter chapter 1. Look down to verse 3. Remain seated today if you don't mind. If you're lost today, verse 3 is going to show you how to turn the page on your doubts, your fears, and your griefs. If you're saved here today, verse 3 is going to show you how to turn the page on defeat and discouragement that we have in our world today. Watch what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope, listen closely, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For a few minutes, I want to speak on the thought of a new day. Sunday came, Jesus was raised, and because Jesus was raised, you and I have the privilege to be raised by putting our faith and trust in him. But not only that, after we get saved, it's a new day for you and I. The griefs and the doubts and the fears that we have in the world right now, don't we all have a little bit? Can I tell you something? They don't have to have victory over you. Do you know why? Because Christ got victory over the grave. And whether you're lost or saved this morning, there's a new day waiting for you, all because there was an empty tomb. Now watch closely how this works in verse 3. Verse 3 shows us both why and what we have. What is the why? Well, the why is very clear. Why can we have a new day? Well, the end of the verse says this. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But what do we get from him? What do we get from the resurrection? What is it about him rising from the grave that does something for me? I'm so glad you asked. Look back a little further in verse 3. The Bible says that he hath begotten us again unto a lively what? What's the next word? Hope. Hope. Because of the resurrection of Christ, I can have hope. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. That's the hope of a new day. Because Christ was indeed risen from the grave, there is hope for a new day. Now, understand this. I mentioned this just a few weeks ago. Mankind's hope and God's hope are two totally different things on two totally different levels. Mankind's hope is nothing, le- or nothing more than an aspiration. All right? I hope I will lose weight. That's an aspiration, okay? I'm aspiring to it. I probably won't make it. My wife cooks too good and I like too much of it. Or maybe you're going to aspire to do better in something in your job or aspire to have a bigger home or aspire to have a a better car. Look, those are things you're hoping for, but how often do our hopes end up being what they are? You know, everybody hopes as a teenager you're going to get a brand new convertible when you graduate high school. That's the hope you have, right? Mom and dad, I want to help you out right here, okay? Let me pop the balloon. You're probably going to inherit the family station wagon. My first ride was a minivan, all right? I mean, I could take all my friends out with me. It was great. Why do you want a convertible? You can only take two people with you. A minivan, I could take all of my friends and their families out with us. Why? I had a minivan. 
You, you hope for a convertible. Man, I hope to have one of those. That was just aspiring for. That was an aspiration. It was never going to come true. But God's hope is not an aspiration that may or may not come to, true. God's hope is an expectation of something that is going to happen. Now watch closely what happened here. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls his disciples. What did he say? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So the disciples are there cleaning their nets. Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And they have to decide, are they going to keep doing what they were doing or change course? Can I tell you why the Bible says they left their nets and followed him? They put their expectation in him. He said he will make us. I'm going to leave my nets behind. I'm going to follow him. They put their hope in Christ. Their hope in Christ. But wait a minute. Now he's died. Now he's died. The one that their expectation was in, the one that their hope was in, has died. No wonder they were sad. No wonder they were doubtful. No wonder they were fearful. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you're yet in your sins. If Christ didn't rise from the grave, you still carry a debt of sin before God that has to be paid, and you have to be sinless in order to pay it. That means all of us are in default. We can't pay that debt. If Jesus is still in the tomb, and you can go to Jerusalem, and you can walk into that tomb and see the body, the bones of Christ, if he is in that tomb, your hope is dead. You and I have no hope because Christ bore our sins to the cross and he carried them to the grave. And if he's still there, my sin is still there. But the tomb was empty. That's my sin that he carried to the cross and carried to the grave, he carried it away. It's not there anymore. And because the tomb is empty, I have hope of a new day. My hope is alive. Matter of fact, look what it says. Verse 3, it's not just any old hope. It's a lively hope. A livelihood. Can I tell you, if you haven't come to realize that the tomb is empty and it was empty for you, no wonder you're so grumpy. No wonder you're so gloomy. You don't realize hope is alive. They sang about it. We serve a living hope. He's on the right hand of the Father today. And the Bible says where two or more are gathered, he's here in the midst. I did the numbers a minute ago, took my shoes off the count and be sure, but I believe there's more than two here today. The Bible says he's here in the midst. I serve a risen, a risen Savior. There's hope for a new day. Why? Because the tomb was empty or else 1 Corinthians 15, 19 is true. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Can I ask you this morning, are you miserable? Are you miserable? You say, well, don't you understand? Don't you put gas in your car? I sure do. And evidently, it has a better appetite this year than it did last year. You know? I'm like, something's wrong with the thing. The numbers just keep rolling over and over and over like a slot machine, man. I'm like, slow down, you know? What world are you living in? Things are, I mean, the economy's not good. Gas is high and all of this. We have all the good reasons to be miserable. No, we do not. If your hope is in this world, the Bible says, then we are of all men most miserable. But my hope's not in this world. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in a risen Savior. I have an expectation before too terribly long, if I die of a heart attack, which is possible, or if he comes in the clouds, I'm going with him. You might be sad. You might be gloomy. But you don't have to be miserable. Why? Because your hope is alive. 
If your hope is in your gas prices or your economy, well, no wonder you're depressed. My wife, every once in a while, usually every other day, orders something from Amazon. And uh, gotten to know that man well. He comes to our house all the time. He delivers groceries sometimes out to our house. And we've kind of gotten a laugh out of going online and, and looking at, have you, have you ever seen the sites for the Amazon expectations? You know, what you ordered and what you got, you know? And you're like, this is what I ordered, this is what I got, and they look nowhere close. And you ordered it as a gift for someone, and you're like, yeah, I was hoping this would be the perfect gift, and your hopes are entirely let down. A while back, my wife's grandfather, he's not been doing well. Uh, he's in, in bed uh, right now, just battling some, uh, some sickness. And she said, I'm going to order him this blanket, a throw blanket with all the pictures of the grandkids. That way, when he gets this blanket, he's sitting there laying in bed. He can see all of his grandkids. Of course, she put herself in the center of it so he can see her favorite. But that's just what it is, right? Amen. Got to tell the truth. It comes in the mail. I'm not joking. She comes up to me. She says, I got Pepal's blanket. And I says, wonderful. Let me see it. She breaks it out. I'm not joking. It's this big. It's a glorified handkerchief. I don't even know that it would hold up during cold season very long. It's about yay big. And she was like, I was hoping to get, we got to Pepal's. She goes over and she lays it on his belly, kind of like a doily, like, boom, there it is. It'll keep your belly warm. She had her hope that it was going to be the perfect gift. You know, as grandkids, you're always trying to find the better gift for grandparents. You got to one-up the other grandkids. You know, come on, let's be honest. We all do it, okay? And she was like, this is going to be the perfect gift. And she had her hope in it, and her expectations were let down. If you have hope only in this world, in this economy, in Washington, D.C., no wonder you are of all men most miserable. Can I tell you something? Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. Our hope is not there. Our hope is alive. And you have hope for a new day. Look, if you're here this morning, you don't have to worry when you lay your head on your pillow at night that if you draw your last breath in your sleep that you're going to go to hell. You don't have to worry about that. Why? You can have hope if you'll just put your hope and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you can say, you know what? I'm just going to take some vitamins. Good luck with that. I got some essential oils. They're going to keep me going. Well, they might for a while, but I'll tell you, nothing can do for you what Jesus can. There's hope for a new day because the tomb was empty. But remember, hope is only as good as what it's based upon. Hope is only good as what it's based upon. In John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene comes from the empty tomb, comes to the disciples to tell them that he is risen. Now, what do you think they're doing? You think they're in a prayer meeting? Man, we're just waiting for him to show up. We trusted him. We know he's going to show up. No, the Bible gives us a picture of disciples who were hiding behind a wall. I think they had the door locked. The Bible says the door was shut up. I kind of feel like Mary had to know the secret knock to get in. What's the password? I don't know what it would be. Chickens. Probably what it was because they were all chickens. The Bible says, why? For fear of the Jews. Why were they afraid? Their hope died. Their hope died. That's why they were afraid. They didn't have enough faith to realize their hope hadn't just died. It had risen again. Hope was alive. There's no reason to live in fear. Why? Hope lives. You say, well, what kind of hope are you talking about? I'm talking about the only kind of hope. That's the expectation that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wouldn't you like to have it? Some of you are almost smiling. Man, I've been going for about 14 minutes, and we just about got some of you to grin. Hey, you ought to be excited. Amen. 
You're going to leave here and fill up your dually pickup truck with $150 worth of diesel. Amen. All of these reasons to be down and out. And yet your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ is alive and well and on the right hand of the Father. And before too terribly long, he's coming back to get his people. Now, if you're not his people, well, then no wonder you look sad. But he could be your Savior this morning if you'll put your faith and trust in him. So number one, the hope of a new day. Well, the hope is by, look at verse three, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now, remember why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Well, as the song says, we owed a debt that we could not pay. And he was willing to go pay a debt that he did not owe. Watch close. Jesus came to bear my sins to the cross and to carry them to the grave. If he's still in the grave, my sins are still there. And oh, we are doomed. Not only are we miserable in this life, we know there's going to be misery in the next life because payment for sin is in a place called hell, eternally separated from God. But the tomb was empty. He did rise, and hope is alive. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Can I ask you this before I give you the second thing? Where is your hope? Where is your hope? The last two years have been a roller coaster ride, haven't they? Our hope has risen and fell and risen and fell based on elections. Some of you. Our hope has risen and fell on the economy. Our hope has risen and fell based on this epidemic. Why don't you put your hope in something that won't move? He says, I am the Lord, I change not. He's on the right hand of God. And folks, this morning, you can have that hope, but it's only through Jesus Christ. Now, here's the second thing. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. You can have a living hope today. Here's the million-dollar question. How? How? How do we have a hope where we know for sure that when we die, we're going to heaven? Baptism won't do it. Your hope better not be in baptism. You say, well, I prayed a prayer. A prayer won't do it. You say, well, I got somebody who's going to pray for me after I'm dead. That sure ain't going to do it. Look, you may have some good friends. They ain't that good. Let's just be honest, folks. By the way, if all of those things would do it, why did Jesus die? If Jesus wasn't enough, why did he die? Oh, no, he paid the price. He paid it in full. But how do we get that kind of hope? It's very, very simple. Verse 3 says, he hath begotten us, watch this, again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do we turn the page on Saturday to leave behind the doubts, the worries, and the fears and look forward with hope and peace and joy. How do we turn the page on Saturday to find the hope on Sunday? Well, look at this, number two, the how of a new day. Let me show you how and we'll be done. Verse three says, he hath begotten us again. Key word right there. Don't miss that, okay? He hath begotten us again. So that means something had to happen all over again. Now, what was it? Well, the entire reason Christ had to come is because all of mankind, past, present, and future, needed a do-over. You ever need a do-over? 
Yeah, my wife and I will play board games sometimes. And, uh, you know, you, you roll and the roll is not what you want it to be. She's going to have a do-over. She always says no. She's like this rule follower. No. Scrabble's a full contact sport in our house. No. I need a do-over, okay? Or maybe you're a husband. I know wives don't do this, but husband. And you're sitting there talking to your wife, and she's asking you how the dress looks on her this morning before you came to church. And you were honest. And all of a sudden, you see eyebrows go up, eyes turn red, smoke comes out. And you're like, can we have a do-over? Time out. We're getting ready to go serve the Lord. And just 10 minutes before you got here, you're choking each other on the floor. Take it back, take it back. I have nothing to wear and all of this stuff. Closet's full of clothes. Don't you think about it. I need a do-over. Time out. By the way, you give your spouse a do-over every once in a while. They're human just like you are. All of mankind needed a do-over. That's why the Bible says he hath begotten us. Again, Romans 5, 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered in the world, speaking of Adam, he opened the door, sin came in, and sin got in you and I's spiritual DNA. That's why we don't have to teach our kids to be bad. Quit blaming it on your spouse's brother. It's in their DNA. You put a toy in between two kids, watch what happens. They're not like, oh, here, you take it. And they say that horrible four-letter word, mine, mine. First time one of our teenagers, when I was a youth pastor, taught my daughter that, I like to throat punch them. Don't teach her that word. She doesn't need to learn it this early. You don't have to teach your kid to be bad. You know why? Wherefore, it's by one man's sin and in the world, death passed upon all men, the Bible says. That means it's in our DNA. We are born sinners, all right? We were born wrong the first time. That's why we have to be born again the second time. Now, what does the word begotten mean in verse 3? It says he hath begotten us again. That word begotten simply means this, born of. The Bible says we have to be born again. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus in John 3, 3? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not through baptism. It's not through good works. It's not through religion. It's not through a prayer. No, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You were born wrong. The first. A lot of people say nowadays, well, look, listen, the reason I do what I do is because I was born that way. Oh, look, I was born just as wicked as you are. That's why I had to be born again. How do you have hope for a new day? Well, the Bible says you've got to be begotten us, begotten again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That sin defect that you and I both have, the Bible says, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Now, look, we have some visitors here this morning, and you look like nice folks, and you may be, but our folks aren't all nice. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. Do you know why? Romans 3, 10, the Bible says that is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. You can look and walk up and down the halls of Central Baptist Church. You're not going to find one righteous person here. Why? Because there are none. All right? There are none of us who were born good enough to go to heaven on our own. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, the Bible says, then death passed upon all men. That means we're born with that. And then let me one-up that. Romans 6.23, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That sin that you and I have committed and that sinner that we are, 
The Bible says there's a price for that. We know what a wage is, for the wages of sin is death. That death, by the way, is not just physical death. It's spiritual death, eternally separated from God in a devil's hell. Now look, I'm not saying that to you. That's my words. Those are God's words. And I'm telling you that because I love you and I want you to go to heaven with me, all right? We are all born sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. And the wage or the price for sin is death. Now watch this. That, if you're lost, is your expectation. There's no hope for you. That is your expectation. You're thinking, well, this is a downer. Can't wait to get to the egg hunt. We can get out of here. This is not very exciting. How can we change? Well, watch this. There's really nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Why? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe the Bible? I believe the Bible. If we don't believe this, this book, what on earth are we doing here? You believe all of it or none of it, okay? The Bible says it's not of works, lest any man should boast. If you could work for it, why did he die? If you could be good enough to go to heaven, then why did Jesus leave the splendors of heaven, come down and live 33 years, tough years, be beaten, scourged, crucified? Why did he go through all of that if you could work for it? Well, the answer is you can't work for it. It's not of works lest any man should boast. Oh, does God know us well? If we could earn our salvation, we'd brag about it, wouldn't we? Like a preacher friend of mine, he says, my church gave me a button for humility, but then they took it away because I wore it. That's the way it is. We brag about things. That was a delay. I heard the delay in there. Some of you got it. It just took a, took a few moments. It's not of works. Well, how do we get it? Well, Jesus told Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. Verse 3, hath begotten us again. Can I ask you a question? I'm done. Have you been born again? Jesus set the criteria in John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's his word, not mine. Look, I'd let all of you in. I'd let all of you in. But he says, look, your sin has to be paid for. I sent my son to die to pay for them. He paid it. The debt was paid in full. The tomb is empty. But you've got to choose to be born again. Can I ask you a question? If you died right now, are you sure you're going to heaven? Are you 100% sure? Look, the reason we're here today is to celebrate a risen Savior. And it's great to celebrate what he did. But wouldn't you love leaving here celebrating what you did? Say, today's the day I got born again. Look, I, I was trusting in a prayer. I was trusting in, in baptism. I was trusting in, you know, somebody put my name and I joined the church. Look, I was trusting in that. But I finally put my hope and my expectation in what Jesus did. And I have my name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can leave here today with that kind of hope. Look, you don't have to worry when you pull out here on 49, somebody runs you over, and you draw your last breath, you don't have to wonder where you're going. Look, it's not Saturday anymore. Time of fear, doubt, grief. It's not Saturday. Sunday's here. The tomb is empty. There is hope, but you've got to receive it. Have you been born again? Do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? And then can I ask a question for those who have trusted Christ? Are you like the disciples in John 20? What were they doing? They're hiding behind a door. Oh, dear, what are we going to do? They were scared of the Jews. 
We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And they were fearful. Why were they feel fearful? They didn't realize the tomb was empty. Maybe you're saved, but you've gotten your eyes off of Christ and you're starting to look at gas prices and the politics and the economy and and Ukraine and all of these things and you're starting to become a fearful disciple. Can I tell you, the same hope that you have for eternity is the same hope you have for right now. The God that stands, watch this, Christ that stands on the right hand of God, he makes intercession for us, he's there today for you just like he was there for you the day you got saved. Listen, it's not Saturday. Look, when the devil comes up to you tomorrow and tries to scare you about how bad things are in the world, you tell him it's not Saturday anymore. Tell him, look, I understand when Christ was put in the tomb and we were worried and we weren't sure what was going to happen. I knew that what fear back then meant and I know what doubt meant, but he rose, Sunday came, it's gonna be all right. Hope for a new day. Number one, are you saved? Do you know for sure if you died, you're going to heaven? You know that video a while ago we showed of, of several of our members, all, all those members uh, who once sat in these chairs. Many of them were here last Easter. You see Brother Thatch's picture? That was his Easter photo last year. Brother Thatch just went to heaven. This might be your last Easter. Might be your last Easter. This might be your last day. And if my heart was pounding this morning and I wasn't sure that I had put my hope, my faith, and trust in Jesus Christ, I wouldn't leave here without having that new day. Can I tell you, it's time we turn the page. Lost person, it's time to turn the page. Safe person, it's time to turn the page on a new day because of the hope we have in Christ. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Now hear me out, okay? Let's not have a lot of noise.